0: Rick Dam Camp. I don't believe it! Rick Camp! They had things like Rick Camp. Yeah. Uh, You're
1: listening to Rick Camp. There's a surprise. There's a big surprise, literally and figuratively. On 670, the
3: score, Chicago's Sports Station.
1: Welcome in. I am Rick Camp, here with you until 9 o'clock on a Friday night. It's a good night in sports. Got Adam and Stacy with the White Sox on the TV. Got real college football week one on the other TV, both in standard death here at the score. But, hey, we're not complaining. And I'm excited to be with you until 9 o'clock with Brandon Fryer on the other side of the glass. Got a big show for you tonight, or at least I like to think so. A lot to discuss with the Bears, shockingly enough, because, hey, the White Sox are playing right now. We're going to get a college football update later in the show. We'll get to that in a minute. Really interesting article that came across from The Athletic today from Mike Sando. And Mike Sando's one of the best NFL writers out there, writes for The Athletic. He'll be on the show at 840 tonight. And what he did is he polled five NFL executives. And what he did there was ask them, just simple enough, in each conference, Rank them one through 16 and where the bears are is pretty interesting. So we're going to get into that in just a minute. I'm broadcasting live from the score Hyundai studios brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. 312-644-6767 is the number to call. It's the number to text. You can tweet at me at Rick C camp. That's where I am on Twitter. You get all my sports thoughts there and food thoughts as well. A lot of things involving the I'm Fat podcast and the Bulls and, you know, being in the offseason. I love getting this time of year where I get to kind of take a little bit of a step back from basketball and really sink my teeth into food, but also in football, in the NFL being back. And I think there's interesting things around the Bears. Maybe not necessarily the most positive things in the world involving the Bears, but I do find this article interesting. And then at the top of the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to talk with, one of my favorite guys, Patrick Schmidt, he writes about college football for fan He has been there for pretty much since him and I were in school together at, at the time, the Illinois Center for Broadcasting, now the Illinois Media School. Great dude, incredibly knowledgeable on college football. So he's going to give all of us a primer on what we're going to see tomorrow in week one. We already had some games yesterday. We have some going on right now. I know Virginia Tech is up 14-0 on North Carolina Middle of the third quarter, which is great because I took the under 31 and a half in the first half. So thank you, Ken Barkley, of You Better You Bet for that one. You should listen to the Power Hour from 5 to 6, Monday through Friday on You Better You Bet if you like money. Money's a good thing. Breaking news. All right. And later in the show also, want to get into some sound that I found interesting this week. A lot of athletic things, uh, things from the athletic on. Not much athletic involving me personally, but I like things from The Athletic, and a couple pieces of audio from Robert Mays and Nate Tice on The Athletic Football Show surrounding the Bears on because on Tuesday they did a, an NFC North division preview. A couple interesting notes and clips that I want you to hear, one about the offense, one about the defense, but we'll do that a little bit later. Obviously, Patrick Schmidt, like I mentioned, at 8, and Mike Sando at 8.40 to wrap up the show to talk about this article that he wrote, and to be clear for everybody listening out there at 312-644-6767, this is not Mike's opinion. He did not rank all these. He wrote the article and took quotes from these five executives that he spoke to about ranking the teams in the NFC 1 through 16. So before looking at it, Brandon, on the other side of the glass, if, if I just ballparking. First blush reaction, if you had to guess where in the hierarchy the Bears would be, you know, like towards the top, towards the middle, or towards the bottom, where would you think the Bears probably should be?
2: Where they should be. Yes. Being a respectable team that they
1: are, they should be in the middle. But probably in the bottom, knowing, you know, everybody else. And the way I've set it up has been kind of leading. So I'll run down one through 16 number one in the NFC, and these are five NFL executives that did this. Number one, Tampa, not shocking, Super Bowl winner, and the only Super Bowl winner to ever bring back all 22 starters. I, like They're they going to be so good this year, barring a good amount of injuries. The Packers at number two, the LA Rams at three, tied with the Seattle Seahawks. They ended up getting the same when you average everything out, the same number. The San Francisco 49ers, a bit of projection there, but they had so many injuries last year. One that maybe I find most interesting, the New Orleans Saints at six. Just because of the quarterback situation, the rest of the roster still pretty good. Really good offensive line, big guys up front defensively. I find that interesting. The Dallas Cowboys at seven, Minnesota Vikings at eight. The Arizona Cardinals at nine, Washington football team at 10. Philadelphia Eagles at 11, Carolina Panthers 12, Atlanta Falcons 13, and your Chicago Bears. 14th out of 16 teams in the NFC. The only teams lower, the New York Giants and the Detroit Kneecap Biters. Very caffeinated Kneecap Biters. So the Bears, according to five executives, 14th out of 16 teams in the NFC. And if you look at just as a barometer for where also the market is looking at the bears, the bears win total across the basically across the board is at seven and a half juice to the under. So you're basically saying, okay, looking at the bears being a seven or eight win team more often than not. That's where the betting market has the bears. Now, to look a little bit closer into this article, without trying to give too much away, if you have the Athletic subscription, go check this out. If you don't, I highly recommend getting it because the content is fantastic. So the five votes gave the Bears 12th, 15th, 13th, 14th, and 12th. So not a whole lot of mix there. So pretty much, if you want to look at this maybe in tiers, and some of this is projection by me, that bottom tier is when you get to maybe Philly, Carolina, Atlanta, the Bears, the Giants, and the Lions. You could you could tell me a story where the Bears, I really the Bears, the Eagles, or the Panthers finish as the best team in that tier. I was a little surprised to see the Bears as low as they are, especially when you consider all the context around the Bears, considering these other teams. And I want your thoughts on where you think the Bears should fit in the NFC. Is this right? And I'll go over some of the quotes that are listed in here as well. 312-644-6767. Text in there. Call in. Tweet me at Rick C. Camp. Now we have one text in from the 312 already that says Bears should be lower end of a middle tier. Look at their schedule. Six, maybe seven wins. That's probably about fair. And that's the schedule is something that's brought up in this article. So when this is all under the umbrella of something that I think is fascinating because everybody is so focused on the quarterback battle right now that you don't hear a whole lot of what are the expectations for this team? What do you think the expectations of the Bears are this year? Because I really think it's fascinating are they if the bears do not make the playoffs this year is that surprising to you and what matters do wins and losses matter or is it just get Justin Fields in there let's see how he works with this offense or maybe for the longer term view of this team how Matt Nagy utilizes him to see if Matt Nagy can be that dude and i want you to kind of put that thought in the back of your mind for next segment because next segment will play some audio that will that will lead into that a little bit so i do want to read a couple of the quotes out of the out of the bear section of this and i like that what mike did what mike Sando did he not only got quotes from the guys that were part of the survey, but also asked some other people who were not part of it what they thought. And the first quote out of this is from a coach who said, quote, why would everyone put Chicago so low? Someone probably spent a lot of time looking at the schedule, but I'd put them ahead of Minnesota, who I think is way too high. Put them ahead of Dallas. It's not going to be long for the kid, meaning Justin Fields, to play, and they'll be more explosive with him. I just think they're better than they're being given credit for. I saw them twice in the preseason. They were running around, flying around pretty good. So that's from a coach. That's more the positive end of it. And then one of the five voters said Chicago absolutely should be this low. Well, I would hope he would think that. With the other part of the quote being, you've got an unproven first-year defensive coordinator taking over for a couple guys, Chuck Pagano last season, Fangio before that, with a combined 50 years in the league. And they subtracted Kyle Fuller, so there's some uncertainty there. And on offense, you want to talk about the quarterbacks, but with Tariq Cohen out, they're not explosive enough. So things on both sides of the ball to keep in mind. Bears 14th out of 16, according to five executives in the NFL. 3 one 67-67. Give your thoughts, just like John and Wheaton's going to on the score. Hey guys, how you doing? Yeah. So I had a chance to read that article and I agreed with the coach and his comments. I I remember watching the Rams game last year without Eddie Goldman and with Nick Foles in, we hung with them for most of the game on the road. I I'm expecting a shocker on Sunday. Maybe we don't win, but we're going to hang there. We're better than Minnesota. We're better than the Cowboys. We beat Tampa with Nick Foles again. It was at home, but we beat them so I really question kind of, I, I think a lot of that was reputation. Uh, I'll hang up and listen, but I, I think we're mid-tier. I think the schedule doesn't do us any favors, but I, I'm hoping they come out in shock and surprise some folks. So underestimate us. That's fine. All right. I appreciate the call, John. Some of that I agree with. Now there, he left out a lot of context in terms of the Rams game for week one. One giant flashing thing that is uh, behind center for the Rams that wasn't there last year Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford, kind of a big deal when you compare him to what Jared Goff was for them. So uh, that's a whole big thing of context for week one. Uh, if you're keeping track at home, the Rams are seven-point favorites juiced to the Rams, meaning you'd have to lay more with the Rams minus seven than you would to take the Bears plus seven, and the total in that game is 44 and a half. And the thing is, I and the Tampa thing was just, I think it's just one of those weird games when you look at it as a schedule cork for the Bears last year. It's one of the, every team has these. Except for like the really, really atrocious ones where it's like, okay, you have, no matter who you are, good, bad, or indifferent, you're going to have a game where that team is just, you're going to be outplayed. Like Tom Brady forgetting the amount of downs at the end of that game, that was like the, indelible image of a what was that week four week five game something like that okay but then look at how the Bucks figured themselves out over the course of the season now everybody's back now they've even added more talent like I don't rule out the possibility that the Bucks could could go undefeated in the regular season I'm not saying I think it will happen but Compared to a lot of teams of recent vintage, I think they might have the best chance of anybody recently. That's how good Tampa can be. And the Rams are still really good. Now, they they definitely have a, a type to them where, it's, where the Rams are very stars and scrubs, but they trust their talent development to be able to do that so that they can fill in a lot of the back end of their roster and be able to pay Aaron Donald, be able to pay Jalen Ramsey, be able to pay Matthew Stafford be able to do those types of things if you trust your ability to draft and develop when you don't have top picks. Because boy, if there's someone that likes to uh trade away picks more, especially high picks, than Ryan Pace, it's less sneed over with the Rams. I mean, that is it's a ballsy strategy and he they're they're doing it pretty well so far. 3126446767 What do you think about the Bears being 14th out of 16 in this athletic article where five executives rank the teams in the NFC? I want to give more context to that when we get back, and we'll hear a cut from Robert Mays and Nate Tice of the Athletic Football Show about the Bears offense that might aid to this a little bit and bring a couple more points up about Bears head coach Matt Nagy and the offense even when Justin Fields gets in. I'm Rick Camp here with you until 9 o'clock on The
0: Score. We're looking at it as um, are, are we producing. Our goal right now as an offense is we we want to be able to um, get first downs, score touchdowns, right, and then win. Ultimately, you want to win and, then, and, and make good decisions. And we'll have to see as we go out there, uh, you know, there's going to be in-game adjustments, right? Because you always get into week 1 and week 1 is always you see unscouted looks or there's something that's a surprise. So we as a staff are going to have to make sure that we're 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 all over that and the players got to adjust and just play, but again, I think it probably goes back to where, where I came from at the very beginning of where I said my mentality is right now, which is focus on right now. Don't focus on next week. Don't focus on weeks down the road or months or, or whatever. That's all, that's all we're going to do. And then if we do that, we feel like the decisions will be made. Fight.
1: It's interesting that Matt Nagy brings up all the unexpected looks that you see early in a season because that really applies to a new coach's tenure too and When was the one time the Bears offense was even really respectable? When Matt Nagy had that element of surprise in his first season with the Bears, and since then, not great, friends. Really wasn't even that great that year. But that's Bears head coach Matt Nagy. I'm Rick Camp here with you until 9 o'clock at the top of the hour. We'll talk with Patrick Schmidt from Fansided. This is a preview of tomorrow, first full Saturday of the college football season, and Myself not being the biggest college football guy in the world because, hey, I I went to NIU. So except for a a bit of a stretch there that does not exist at the moment, uh, NIU, not the most nationally relevant program in the world. Last year, definitely not. But hopefully they can bounce back and start the season strong against Georgia Tech. That's all the NIU I'll talk today, I promise. All right, getting back to this and led the show talking about This article that Mike Sando of The Athletic wrote talking to five NFL executives about where stacking the NFC, where all these teams are for this year. And the Bears fell 14th out of 16. No vote higher than 12th for the Bears. 312-644-6767 is the number. I want to hear your thoughts on where you think the Bears should rank in the NFC. Is that low, right? Especially when you consider the context. The Bears are built to win now. Look at the age of this defense. I mean, when it's brought up in a positive manner of, but look at all the stability on this defense. Some of that is very true. When you look at Khalil Mack, when you look at Akeem Hicks, Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson. Now, obviously some of those guys are younger But still, this defense as a whole, Kyle Fuller had to go. Danny Trevathan's hurt. Like this offense, I don't think it has the upside that a lot of people tend to think. Even with Sean Desai, who, now mind you, in one of the quotes I read last segment, we're talking about Chuck Chuck Pagano not being there as a negative is kind of how it sounded. However, Chuck Pagano, I don't think was that great of a defensive coordinator. And in the next segment, I'll go over why I think that, and there's some other people that tend to agree. But I think Sean Desai could be fine for them, but just now that the money is starting to balance out a little bit, even though the Bears are just up against it in terms of the cap, and that's something that they've had to work on. I'm looking at over the cap. And when you think about how good the Bears are in certain areas, kind of where the money is really kind of, shakes out the bears offensively right now have the 21st highest payroll on the offensive side and then when you go to the defensive side think of the cuts that they had to make in terms of kyle fuller one two three four five six the bears are eighth as i do some counting on air hey if mike francis can do it and make that kind of a career i can do it too the eighth highest payroll defensively what i struggle with is thinking what's the upside for this defense can the bear if things go right for the bears defense can the bears defense be not what it was in 2018 where it's like the the most dominant defense in the league i don't think that's possible anymore considering the personnel considering everything else but can they be top five if the bears really want to make a push to not just eke into the playoffs like they did last year. Considering what the offense is, I think they absolutely need to be top five defense. Because if you're thinking best case scenario, like let's say Andy Dalton starts the season, goes one and two and week four against Detroit, that's where Justin Fields makes his debut. I think that's probably like the most logical, uh, most, or I should say, if I had to say what's the most likely outcome, that's probably the most likely outcome to me. Not saying that's what I would do, just saying I think that's most likely. And Justin Fields comes in, lights the world on fire. The Bears go on a run. Their offense is good enough, but not great. Because realistically, that's probably what you're looking at considering the offensive line and the skill position players outside of Allen Robinson. That what does that get you? And I guess if Justin Fields is otherworldly from jump street, like borderline Patrick Mahomes, which is not fair to expect or project onto anybody. Maybe they have that high, high, high upside to get towards the top of this. But being where they are right now, I just don't know how realistic that is. Josh is in Burbank and on the score.
2: Hey, Camp. I just want to say I feel like I would definitely put the Bears probably around 11. Like I said, just probably alone just with their defense. You got Kaleem Mack. You got, you know, Hicks. You got, uh, what's the other d Uh the Dose Tackle, uh, Goldman, you know, so I would definitely say probably around 11, that's what they are. I honestly, I'm probably alone on this, but I got the Bears going five and six in their first six games. You know, I definitely feel like Tampa's definitely overrated. A couple of other, other teams, I kind of see them, you know, doing a couple of hiccups at the beginning of the season. I just want to listen to your thoughts on that.
1: I appreciate the call. Um, I, I You know, I could be 11th is, is fine. Like, that's not something that seems absurd to me. If you told me the Bears are going to have a better season than the Falcons, Panthers and Eagles. I could, I could see that. I definitely think that's possible. I do think it's interesting that there is that much excitement around the Eagles. And part of the reason of that is everybody remembers Nick Sirianni's intro presser where like, you could tell the dude was really nervous. He was, he was honestly like for opening press conferences, it was a total train wreck. However, there's a lot of people in that bring up, that I should say, a lot of people that are within the NFL that are like, listen, this, this is a guy that can coach. So him having the bad presser, don't judge him off that. I think we can do a little bit more off of Dan Campbell because he's given a little bit more of us to just be like, yeah, he might not be the best, and he doesn't have the best staff around him. But with Nick Sirianni, there's a lot of optimism around him. And then the Eagles have flexibility where if Jalen Hurts isn't necessarily the guy, they do have some flexibility in terms of draft capital to be able to make that happen and, and go get a quarterback. That's a possibility. I mean, it's funny because the teams that are in front of the Bears, when you think of the cycle, they're at a different point in the cycle where the Eagles are trying to figure the Eagles and the Panthers are on value guys that you would see it as Jalen Hurts is a second round pick obviously not the top five top 10 pick that you'd normally think to be a franchise guy okay if he doesn't work this year they're probably going to cycle him out Carolina's got Sam Darnold for this year all right cool you want to give him a spin fine because you know what you had in Teddy Bridgewater and what you had in Teddy Bridgewater wasn't that great so he's just a really low ceiling guy if you want to think of like uh, he's like a restrictor plate on your offense. It can only go so fast with a guy like Teddy Bridgewater there. And Atlanta, I think they, they're interesting just because Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee and Matt Ryan in Atlanta are so different because Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator from Tennessee, is now the head coach in Atlanta bring that system over there. So some of the things that Tannehill did, Matt Ryan can't do, and there's no Derrick Henry, but Mike Davis has kind of proven over the last couple years he can maybe shoulder some load. So I think that's interesting, but you look at those teams, those are teams that are either, in Atlanta's case, in cap hell. So they're kind of really in between with some young guys and some really old guys, but Philly and Carolina are closer to the younger side on their way up. Carolina, especially there with having Matt Rule and Joe Brady. So I do find that interesting, and more optimistic for them versus the Bears, just because of where the Bears are in their turn in kind of in their their circle of life, if you want to call it. With this type of roster, we'll go to Lion King. Sure, why not? Seven thirty on a Friday. Screw it. By the way, the bottom of the hour is brought to you by Duck Duck Go. So I think it's it's just interesting because the Bears' moves that they've made outside of how they're handling the quarterback situation is realizing that this roster is a little bit older and they need to win now. When it comes to just trying to fill some of the voids that they have, and then you have Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus, who's put out there that the Broncos are looking to trade Bryce Callahan, remember former Bears nickel guy that was really good, but then he had to get paid, and he went with Vic Fangio to Denver, saying the Bears are interested in maybe bringing him back. But they're already capped out, and he's making a lot of money to be a slot corner. So I just don't see the logic and the moves of if you're going to be this win now roster outside of your quarterback situation, unless Matt Nagy outside of Ryan Pace also has an assurance for next season. Why would he not streamline the entire thing and just say, Hey, Justin Fields, man, this needs to, Hey, he's proved enough. Let's just get this going. There's a lot going on here with the Bears. I'll get to your text in a minute at 312-644-6767. First, let's go out to Andersonville and talk with Greg. Greg, you're on the score. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Um, yeah, I think the ranking for the Bears is is pretty much dead on right. I, I think last year they were 8-8. Eight eight. They snuck into the playoffs because of the weird rule. And I think they're going to be worse this year. I think the defense is a year older. You know, we lost our best cornerback, which is a critical position. Our offensive line, which you haven't talked a lot about, is going to be worse than it was last year, and it was one of the weaknesses of the team. So I'm not a great proponent of getting Justin Fields in there because I think he's going to get killed. Uh, So I I think at most positions, the Bears are worse than they were last year, whereas all the other teams with lots and lots of draft picks improved themselves. So uh, I'm not very optimistic. I appreciate the call, Greg. And the only thing I would say about... Not, and I don't think it's the end of the world if Justin Fields doesn't play from game one because of these rankings. And honestly, the callers and, and in my own opinion and what the text line is showing is not a lot of people are expecting the Bears to win right now anyway. So if Justin Fields doesn't start till game four, I don't think that crushes his development and what you could possibly be as a franchise. So... It's like to me, it's fine. A few weeks. Would I do it that way? No, not necessarily. I would probably start the man. However, do I think three weeks or something is gonna ruin his development and crush the Bears franchise? No. So I know it's I know it's not the perfect hot take for being a sports talk show host and whatever, but it's okay. It's not it's is it bad process? Yes. Is that something you can grade your front office and your coaching staff on? Yes. However, I don't think that ruins the quarterback in and of himself. With that said, I want to go to a cut from the athletic football show on Tuesday. This is Robert Mays and Nate Tice, two guys that I I love listening to talk football because they're, they were talking about the Bears to lead off the podcast. Robert is obviously based in Chicago. You've heard him on the score a good amount. And they were talking about the Bears because they're, just an interesting team to look at this year, especially with getting Justin Fields. And I thought they brought up some really interesting stuff and something Greg brought up as well with the offensive line and not just the issues there, but also the issue of development on this offense for the last few years. Even talking with the protection stuff, like not
3: just talent level, just it's really scary to watch this bears offensive line just point out protections and just get things lined up we're, we're not even talking about the justin fields getting his head taken off a couple of weeks ago and that we've talked about it, it could have been center it could have been quarterback but it's like whatever they they had the point wrong whoever decides it had the point wrong this past week he got the ball out it was a quick hitch i'm gonna write about it in a couple of days but he throws a quick hitch and on the protection it's one of the most obvious looks where the offensive line uh it was a five-man protection on this on five man protection the offensive lines gets three-man slide away from the back side it's just how the math works out but No one changed it. And it was one of the most obvious looks that a center, who is going to be their starting center, didn't change it. And it's like preseason, this should have been a nice rep, easy rep for him. And Fields got the ball out because he's a quick operator, even though people say he hangs on the ball. No, he's not. He's a quick operator. Gets the ball out. And the guy would have been a clean shot on him. And that is really scary to me now that it's been three weeks in a row that any time they've gotten empty protection, five-man protection, they've had clean free runners on looks that there shouldn't be free runners. That's what's scary. And now you have starters playing and they're missing it. I get it. It's preseason. That's the uh, the optimist. You always go, oh, it's good film. It's good teaching film. You know, it's good teaching film. We'll teach it. Now it's good. We got it on film. Now we can teach off of it because they're in the game. But it's like, we've ha- you've had good teaching film for a couple of weeks now. <laughs> so that's got to get fixed. And that's a little scary to me that if the mental side isn't there, along with the physical abilities, that, that can lead to a lot, and that's kind of the Bears' offense the last few years. It's no one gets design, better.
2: No one gets no, better. No
3: one gets better. Where's the coach? The receivers. I posted them today. The receivers are short on routes, like, and that's what's making Fields look late. And I, I am going to be a some Fields defender there or quarterback defender there. But it's like I would call that out if that was wrong. There's no receiver in the world that's run a three yard out route, even on a quick out. <laughs> and that's supposed to be a ten yard out route. And that's like those little things. That's why the bears offense always looks so hard because the person, if the personnel isn't there, at least coach it up. How many times has Kyle Shanahan made scrub receivers or running backs look decent because they all know where the freaking line up and how deep to run their routes. It's like, that's where the kind of coaching comes into play. So Marquez Calloway
2: looks like a monster for the saints. Like it just, there is none of that there. It, it doesn't happen. That. And I, that's the most frustrating hard. part is that even if we're excited about him, Nothing else has changed. The the way that they approach their offense, the way that this this coaching staff operates, what we get out of offensive players in this franchise, none of that has changed. Everything else is the same. Justin Fields is just here. And that's why it's hard for me to work up a lot of enthusiasm about it because I just have such little faith in the support system around him. So it's going to hang over it until it doesn't. Right. I mean, yeah. that's, it's going to be a concern until it shouldn't be anymore. And that's why I just don't know how to exactly feel about this season. Like, I hope he looks good. I don't really know what to expect. Otherwise offensively.
1: Whew. That's uh, no mincing words there. And if you're saying, well, who are these guys? Well, Robert's one of the most respected NFL writers and has been for a hot minute now. And Nate is, you heard on there, incredibly smart, played quarterback at Wisconsin, actually when Russell Wilson was there, so that's, that gives you a time frame, has worked in a few organizations. And, yes, his last name is Tice because he is Mike Tice's son. So he's, be, he's been around the block a bit, and it's really damning. Not just, like the first point is, and I thought it was important to leave in there for context, too, of Not just having it on the coaching staff, because obviously the latter half of that is really damning on Matt Nagy and the coaching staff. But the first part, too, of, yeah, not only did you draft a left tackle with back issues, or someone that was supposed to be a a left tackle for you with back issues, got rid of the other left tackle to save money. When there are other ways you could have done that, that probably would have made more sense. You also brought in no competition for your center. When it's not like Sam Mustaffer, who did fine, he did okay last year, is this high pedigree guy. Sam Mustafer's is an undrafted guy that played well enough last year. However, to just say, you know what? Your gig. We're not even going to really bother with any true competition. And then seeing the errors that they're pointing out, because so much of what a center does is pre-snap, trying to get the line set helping a young quarterback out. So having a second-year center who only started part of the year who's still learning himself, which, mind you, I'm not holding that against him that he's still learning. He was put in this situation. Like that, that matters. I think that really, really matters, being put in that position. And then to have who's gotten better on offense for the Bears, young players. Honestly, I don't know. Who has really gotten that much better that has been part of Matt Nagy with the Bears? We don't know about Darnell Mooney. Everybody, boy, if Darnell Mooney did not hit, what would the Bears front office have talked about in terms of the offense this offseason? You could say Devin Montgomery a little bit. I think, I think that's fair. Also a running back, so the most replaceable part of your offense. But, Receiver-wise, I mean, Riley Ridley never got on the field. Kevin White, bust of a pick. I don't put that on coaching staff necessarily. And it was a lot of injury there too. I mean, really. Cole Komet, maybe this year. Darnell Mooney, maybe this year. But guys that have definitively gotten better offensively, if I'm missing one, text me. 312-644-6767. So I, I do think that's Fascinating. And Peoria Matt bringing up how about one Bears drafted wide receiver who's improved? Maybe, maybe Darno Mooney this year. Like that's about all you got. Anthony Miller never hit. And I think some of these are balance of the evaluation on the player and then the coaching staff as well. But man, sometimes even if you miss on the evaluation a little bit, you would hope the position coaches and the scheme can be formed around what your guys do well, and go from there. That's what the Bears did later in, in this past season because they absolutely had to to try and save everybody's job, or at least you would think that should be the case. With this organization, you never know. 312 644 67, is the number. What do you think about the Bears being 14th out of 16 in ranked by five NFL execs that The Athletic put out there? From Mike Sando, who will talk to at 840, at 8 o'clock, talk to Patrick Schmidt from Fansided about week one college football slate. But we're going to keep talking, Bears, taking your calls, reading your texts. I'm Rick Camp here with you until 9 o'clock on The Score.
0: Andy has known from the start where we want to go with this offense. He understands that. So the bar has always been high for him. It does, Andy's not – Andy has to control Andy. Andy can't control something that's out of his control, which is Justin. You know what I mean? So if Andy controls Andy – and we have success on offense, and we play well, and we're winning, that's a good thing. I think we'd all understand that's a good thing while this kid develops and continues to grow and learn and watch tape. Um, but at the same point in time, Justin needs to do everything he can from week one in the video, in the meetings, at practice, um, always being prepared. Because you're one play away. You're one play away. And so you have you can't sit back and say, ah, I'm number two, I, I can't. Uh, I, I, this isn't what I wanted, or and he doesn't do that. But you got to be prepared, like they all do. The third string guy's got to be prepared at all times. So he's not, Andy's not affected, but he wants to just be Andy and be as best as he can be, and the same with Justin.
1: That's Bears head coach Matt Nagy. He loves saying Andy. Although I think my favorite part of this preseason was the uh, everybody using the Toy Story gif from I think it was Toy Story 2 where they paint over the Andy on Woody's foot or on his boot. That is like top notch. Exactly what like Twitter is here for. I'm here for the jokes. Sometimes jokes over facts. 312-644-6767 312-644-6767 is the number. I'm Rick Camp here with you until 9 o'clock at the top of the hour. Patrick Schmidt from Fansided joins me to talk about week one in college football, 840. Mike Sando from The Athletic, who wrote the article and spoke to these executives, will join me to talk about the Bears and a little bit around the NFL as well. It's a great resource for talking about everything NFL. I want to get to a couple tucks because I haven't done enough of that in terms of what's going on with the Bears, this ranking, and that cut you heard last segment about the Bears' offense and just really, really damning for Matt Necky and for Ryan Pace in terms of the talent that's on this offense and also just the weird roster construction and like the lack of competition was brought up, or not necessarily directly, but just the issues that maybe Sam Mustafer is still having, learning the position, learning the NFL game. And it's not to say he can't get there, but for a team that's trying to, in theory, win right now because of the age on that defense, or they're just kind of stuck in that middle spot, it's tough to understand some of the moves that have been made, not having any competition for him. You know, just because a guy has a decent stretch doesn't mean you have to hand him a job. I understand you're strapped on cash, but maybe bring in someone that could possibly be a little bit of competition for him, especially when you're bringing in. A quarterback when you're bringing in a quarterback in theory you would love to have a veteran center with him sometimes those opportunities aren't there and obviously understand that but to have a first round quarterback with a second year undrafted center it just seems flawed especially considering all the offensive line issues as well I mean, how this offensive line's been bungled is incredible. Last time I got to host, I went into that really in-depth about how the Bears could have saved that amount of money and still kept Charles Leno on the roster. Brandon Thorne from Establish the Run and the Trench Warfare substack said last season Charles Leno was probably between like your 17th to 22nd best, tack- off- best left tackle excuse me, in the NFL. And while that's not great, that's better than the situation the Bears have now. And if I had the choice to cut Jimmy Graham and maybe one or two other guys that are making a couple million and keep Charles Leno just for insurance, in case this happened with Tevin Jenkins, that's what I would have done. And that was not second-guessing on my part. That was first-guessing when that move happened. 312-644-6767 is the number. Peoria, Matt, obviously listening, because he also said defense regressed every year under Chuck Pagano, and Chuck Pagano just... Actually, while I didn't even mean to do that this way, I know we're coming up on the top of the hour, but I want to play this cut real quick from the Athletic Football Show, Robert Mays, Nate Tice again, mentioning the defense under Chuck Pagano and how you, you basically can't try and remake fetch happen with a new guy when it's not the original guy running that scheme.
2: I think the bears last year were a perfect example of why just taking copy and paste from certain types of defenses doesn't work. Like the bears Mm. led the league in cover six dropbacks last year. They were hundred, they're 137 of them just ahead of the Broncos and the Rams. But just because you're running cover six doesn't mean you're running Vic Fangio's defense, right? They were Right. right in the middle of the road when it came to two high shells, They're just not using their guys in interesting ways. Like I don't. Eddie Jackson spent a third of his snaps last year in the box. It's a waste. It's just a waste. waste. It just. I. I want to see him playing from depth, or he's lining up in the box and playing the deep half, or like playing quarters and cover six. It's like then he's not playing downhill, which was where he's good at. It's like I just want to see him back in that spot where he's playing from depth all the time and he can play downhill and be the player he was in 2018 when he was great. And so maybe if they're playing at more of that too high shell, which all the offensive coaches I've talked to around the league that about the bears, they expect him to do a lot of the Fangio stuff. They don't know for certain, but I I was just talking to a play caller last night. He's like, you you think he's going to run Fangio stuff, right? And I was like, I legitimately don't know. You probably know better than I do. So if they're doing that and they're playing a lot of that too high show and they're letting Eddie Jackson be that guy, and then maybe you're scheming up more one-on-ones with Mac because of all the players you have on the front, there's a world where those two guys are the best versions of themselves again. The question is, is that enough to take this team from a middling defense at the end of last year to a top 10 defense again? I don't know the answer to that.
3: Yeah. Oh, Jackson's so much fun too. Like he's like, he's like one of the more fun defenders to watch, even if he's not the star star, because he just makes plays. He's just one of those guys that's just around the ball. And I, I think what you're saying too, is him being back there in the quarter shell. It's not just playing deep uh, how you're saying it is coming up too. And I think maybe sometimes if you close your eyes, you're thinking, Oh, he's in the boxes like this. Also when that, this Fangio defense allows their safeties to cut things. Yes. That's like you're saying, that's what I'm saying. I'm just dovetailing off of what you're saying is if they get in that two eye shell and he's able to cut things, cut crossers, that's being a de facto robber essentially. And it's like in those types of situations, that's where it's just like, he can just do it. It's just like you're saying unlock a guy like him unlock Mac. Yeah. It's not Jalen Ramsey on the corner, you know, it's just locking down half a field, but it is still something that we're highlighting a good player. And that, but that's what I was kind of getting at too. It was just like, I just don't, see that guy that's going to make offenses go oh we got to account for so-and-so and it's more like oh no they're fine they're good solid defense you know we got 52 uh you know we always got to account for him chip help on on mac and then it's like the rest of them is just like oh okay we we just play ball when you don't you're not making offenses worried is what it's always concerning and uh but i do think the defense at least at least it looks like it's going to be tangibly better at least schematically or at least a little a little more
2: varied in, in their looks Even if you're not playing, you don't have to play quarters or cover six, even if you're playing single high coverages and you're starting from that shell and you're allowing him to come down into the crossers and play downhill, that's fine. This, this idea that these two high safeties mean you need to play all these two high coverages is wrong. Like that's just not, that's not what it's about It's you can vary them as much as you want to, but I think playing a guy like that from depth just gives him a chance to be the best version of himself.
1: And I think that might have been the most frustrating thing last year was watching or really the last couple of years is watching Eddie Jackson not make enough plays. And I think some of that's on Eddie Jackson. Obviously, like it's respect to the player to say that part of the blame is on him as well. If you put the, all of that on the scheme, then you're not respecting the player as a guy or as, you know, the player he is himself. Some of that I agree with is he's Eddie Jackson's best when he's able to observe and move forward on the ball. That's when he was able to make a lot of plays. So hopefully Sean Desai is someone that obviously worked under Vic Fangio can bring back some of those principles and Eddie Jackson can be in more positions to make plays because as as Nate and Robert mentioned there, not a ton of big-time playmakers on this defense. And everybody's older than the last time this defense was really able to show out that way. So there's a lot, still so much going on with the Bears. We got one more week, just over one more week. However, college football time is here. It started right now. So that's why when we come back, I'm going to talk with my guy Patrick Schmidt from Fansided about what's going on for week one, games that are going on tonight in college football, because I need a primer. I'm not the biggest college football guy in the world, so I need to know what's going on, who I should be watching tomorrow, those marquee matchups and maybe some individual players that are fun to keep an eye on as well. Patrick Schmidt coming up next. I'm recamp here with you till 9 on the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning right now families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch visit your local T-Mobile store today Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
2: Listen to every MLB game live. In
0: the deep left side of the field. It is high. It is far. It is God.
2: Stream minor league affiliates.
0: The Midwest League home run leader.